You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to America's Web Radio, and welcome to Billion Dollar Ballers. I'm Jack Christides, and we're here today for the show discussing the business of sports involving everything from the NCAA all the way up to the major leagues. Got a great show for you today, a lot of interesting topics. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, seemingly seemingly decline in sports right now, um, although sometimes ratings can be deceiving. So I'll break down a little bit of why just, just how the ratings declines might not be what you think you're seeing. Um, but the reality is that sports ratings have tanked across the board while cable news thrives. Uh, a lot has been written about the ratings of the NFL and the NBA, uh, and the NBA is coming off record low ratings for the NBA final. Um, but everybody is twisting themselves and these ratings into a pretzel when I don't think a lot of people fully understand what's happening or why it is happening. Um, with that being said, I thought I'd put together a little list. So I went and did some research, and, and this is the percentage um, that sports viewership is down for each of the largest sports events that have happened in the last several months. Um, so we'll start with the Stanley Cup final, which was down 61%. The Preakness Stakes down 56%. U.S. Open Golf final round, uh, that was down 56%. The NBA Finals, which just finished up, another LeBron James championship, big surprise there, 49% down. Um, and we're still waiting on the MLB Finals, uh, the NBA playoffs as a whole, we're down about 37%. Uh, MLB regular season down 26%. And the NFL regular season so far has been down 13%. Uh, now there's been one exception, of course, and that was the WNBA. Uh, according to ESPN, its coverage of the Seattle Storm's championship clinching win in Game 3 of the NBA, WNBA Finals was up 34% year over year. Um, now, that was somewhat to be expected. The WNBA is growing at a decent clip right now. Uh, also, at that time, they weren't really facing a ton of, of uh, competition from other sports. Um, and really, that single instance is about, is about as good news as you're going to get when it comes to sports ratings in 2020. Everything else uh, is a total disaster so far. Uh, the takeaway from this? Well, uh, there's, there's a handful of them. Uh, cord cutting is one. We've talked about that, the shift from cable to streaming services. Uh, completely different schedules, meaning uh, there have been NFL games on Tuesdays. Uh, there have been NFL games on uh, strange times on Monday. Next Monday we have a Chiefs game at 5, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Um, it is still the middle of a pandemic. I mean, people are, people are dealing with that. Maybe their work schedules are shifted around. Not to mention it's an election year. Obviously, that's hurt all sports. Uh, so there's not one single reason why any sport is suffering from lower viewership. Um, however, people flocking to cable news might be one of the biggest reasons. Fox News averaged uh, 4.42 million viewers last week. That's up 63%. MSNBC with 2.75 million last week is up 38%. And CNN with 2.59 million viewers is up 172%. Um, so the takeaway is simple, that without an election year in 2021, uh, and with, uh, and I say this hopefully, 
Um, with the pandemic being a thing of the past, most sports should enjoy a viewership increase in 2021. Um, so I, I would not rush to the conclusion that sports aren't as popular anymore in, in America or that, or even that, uh, the politicized nature of our sports today is causing people necessarily not to watch. I certainly think that it has an impact. Um, but for whatever reason, this election year has really been drawing eyes to the news. Um, more so than ever before. So it's pretty interesting to see how that is affecting sports rating as a whole. Um, with that being said, uh, there obviously is a big shift. Um, cord cutting is something that's happening. It's a big transition. Um, and Gen Z has been affected with their interest in sports um, and their general interest in most sports properties uh, is lower than the than the public as a whole. Um, so when you take the sample size of all adults, about 59% of them are interested in the NFL. And when you look at Gen Z, only about 49% are interested. Um, NBA has a similar trend with 47% of all adults interested and 45% of Gen Z. College football, 48% of adults and 37% of Gen Z. Um, now where you see the trend... Oh, and MLB. MLB, 50% all adults and 32% of Gen Z are interested. Um, what's a little more interesting in my eyes is the, the opposite trend. What sports are more popular amongst the Gen Z population? Uh, and there's only one. And if you guess esports, the sport of video games, that would have been the right guess. Um, with esports, 19% of all, all the all adults um, are interested in esports, a very small percentage. And 35% of Gen Z are interested in esports, a rapidly growing amount. Um, so it's definitely interesting to see where their interests lie. And this really can forecast the future of sports in many ways. Um, as it seems like esports is going to continue to grow, it seems like that's going to be the place um, where the future of sports lies. Uh, and who would have thought that as recently as five to ten years ago, it's really incredible how quickly that is growing. Now something else that's growing, um, and, I, and I think that you could venture to say that this is again because of Gen Z. Gen Z tends to enjoy listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, it's the reason that people like Joe Rogan um, are household names now, because people are consuming this free-to-listen podcast content um, at a higher rate than ever before. And it's really incredible to see. And we're seeing a lot of changes in the sports podcasting market as well. Um, now, if you're not familiar with sports podcasts, there are a handful um, that are extremely popular. Um, a handful on ESPN, um, and one of the largest of those being The Ringer. Um, I mean, sports is obviously one of the most popular topics in podcasts. And The Ringer is one of the most popular networks of podcasts in the world. Uh, it's created and run by broadcaster Bill Simmons. Um, it has 30 sports podcasts in its mix and some 100 million downloads per month. Um, recently, Spotify announced um, that in order to grow its sports coverage, it has bought The Ringer. Um, so today, if you're not familiar with Spotify... Um, it's often used as a music streaming platform, but it also has 700,000 podcasts in its catalog. And earlier today, it did note that the business grew 200% in the last quarter. 
terms of that deal haven't been disclosed. Uh, but when the deal between Spotify and The Ringer was first rum- rumored a few months ago, it was noted that the latter company was profitable and had revenues of $15 million in 2018. Um, for reference, Spotify last year spent what's estimated between 400 and $500 million acquiring other podcast assets. So, I mean, this is a major, major transaction here. Um, and the trend that they're exploring is that sports are moving online. Um, fans are going to be streaming their sports, and when they're going to listen to uh, sports media coverage, they're not going to turn on ESPN or Fox Sports as frequently. They might be going to a podcast. Um, it's CEO of Spotify, Daniel e- Daniel Eck, uh, he said in earnings calls earlier uh, last month that he thinks they bought the next ESPN. So that should tell you how big of a business they think that that uh, podcasting is. Jack, I hate to break in, but uh, God, you just uh, you just uh, hit it too many times, and I've got to say something. America's Web Radio is on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's a great point as well, and that's actually something that I was going to get to um, in just a minute here. We have America's Web Radio on Spotify as well, um, and that's another big trend that we're seeing is, is radio uh, mirroring itself on podcasting. Um, so when you, when you take a, a live radio show, there's still obviously a large demand for something like that, but that's another beautiful thing about podcasting. Uh, is that it allows you to watch programs such as Billion Dollar Ballers um, at your own convenience. Listen at your own convenience. Um, again, if you're interested in listening to America's Web Radio, or if you have a friend who would like to listen to America's Web Radio on Spotify, at any time we are available on Spotify. Um, and I think that's a, a great segue to uh, to my next point. Um, which talks about Spotify sports growth. Um, so the Spotify sports podcast content has tripled in the past 18 months, uh, solidifying the streaming service's recent dedication in the sports space. There's more than 800,000 hours of sports content streamed each day, with over 100,000 sport podcasts on Spotify. There's been a 30% increase in listeners in the category during the pandemic. Uh, and global soccer fans, believe it or not, uh, have been the most popular on the service with 40,000 playlists featuring the word football, um, of course, referring to the European brand of football. So again, something, something crazy to watch, um, and something that's growing very, very quickly. Um, last point on the podcasting. September was actually a month of records for ESPN podcasts as the combined podcast network of ESPN, ABC, 538, and National Geographic posted high audiences of 9.3 million unique listeners. Uh, that's a 10% increase versus August and 24% over September a year ago. Uh, the network also hit a new high when it jumped three spots to number four on the podcast industry rankings report. Um, so, so that's a, a big change that we're seeing. We're seeing people switch from watching cable to listening to radio and to podcasting. And I really think that's a, a great transition. Uh, not only is it opening up another revenue angle for, uh, the sports business as a whole, uh, it really just also allows fans to engage on multiple different 
media platforms, and that's always a good thing. It just gets more eyes on sports, expands the footprint. Um, it's good for the fans, and it's good for the business of sports as a whole. Um, so with that being said, um, we're going to switch ahead to uh, sponsorship discussion in our next conversation. Um, sponsorship is a topic that I think is not talked about nearly enough. Um, there are dollar signs behind every single brand, every single placement of the brand, uh, every little action, every little activity, every jersey, anything that you're seeing in sport, there's most likely sponsorship behind it and dollar signs driving that sponsorship. Um, so in our next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, and stick around if you, if you want to hear some information um, about the NFL, what the NFL plans to do with all this COVID dilemma, and similarly, how the NCAA is going to deal with all this COVID drama. As we've been seeing coronavirus sweep through the SEC lately, um, we're just a few short days away from Big Ten football. Um, so there's a lot of coronavirus questions to be answered in the near future as well. Um, with that being the case, we're going to go to one short break before coming back with some sponsorship intro. And as long as you broke, uh, brought up the subject of sponsorship, someone is interested in uh, sponsoring your show or having ads in your show, give me a call or uh, contact GM, GM at AmericasWebRadio.com, and we'll get some information to you and talk about you can be on it. Now, as uh, Jack was talking about, you're not just on well, you are just on America's Web Radio, but America's Web Radio is literally heard around the world. We have quite an audience in Australia. We have quite an audience in the U.K. and uh, Japan, uh, I've got to add, as well as Canada and, of course, the United States. And we're very reasonably priced. You can touch the world on America's Web Radio for literally pennies so let us know that uh, you're interested in being on billion dollar ballers and you're not if you buy a sponsorship like on the ballers uh, you're not only just in that show but we put you in other shows as well so you're heard from medical shows to uh, billion dollar ballers up and down the gambit everybody in the country well not everybody but Many people in the country are tuning in to America's Web Radio for our incredible programming and our great hosts. We'll be back right after this. Hey folks, this is Victor Armanderas with the On Point with Victor show. Just to remind you, don't miss every Tuesday 2 to 3 live right here on America's Web Radio. And remember, I'm not angry, I'm just right. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. And I'm back. I forgot one thing that I wanted to mention. If you're tied up in knots, stressed out like many of us are, at 11 o'clock we do the meditation hour with our Kung Fu master, Deiru. And he is fantastic. And again, we get emails and uh, messages from all over the world. And he is becoming one of the most popular shows. And you can, if you don't catch him at 11 o'clock today, then he is on YouTube and iTunes. And 
it's interesting. I go to them during the week and will meditate again with Deiru, uh, during the week by going to, uh, YouTube. So tune in and relax and enjoy and let some good into your life by breathing. We'll be back right after this. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio, and welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Welcome back to some discussion of sports sponsorship. Um, now, you might be saying to yourself, uh, with the ratings declines that you were just talking about, Jack, how is sponsorship not declining as well? And that's one of the first things that I want to address, and that is that sports still have a, an abundance of eyes on them. Um, it's still one of the largest, most viewed uh, things on cable television and across all other mediums. Um, and when it comes to the NBA, the NBA, although they have some declining ratings, uh, they do still see a bright future for one particular sponsorship program. Um, and for them, that is the $150 million patch sponsorship program. Um, now, before COVID-19, the NBA projected increased revenue for its sponsored jersey patches. Uh, the league generates roughly $150 million in revenue and has some individual deals for as much as $20 million per year. Um, however, with companies hurting due to the pandemic and the ratings decline, it could impact these patch agreements. So that's what we're going to get into. As the NBA has stated, it is still optimistic that it can grow the business. Um, now, the NBA, they came out, actually, they didn't only say they were optimistic that they'd see an increase in Jersey Patch revenue. They actually said that they expect a, quote, significant increase in Jersey Patch revenue. Um, in an interview with CNBC on Tuesday, Amy Brooks, uh, who is the league's president of team marketing and business operations, said it's too early to tell the exact percentage of the projected increase. Um, but added two-thirds of the NBA clubs are still locked into Jersey patch agreements with the remainder of them actively in negotiations. Um, now, I guess I, I should take a second here to explain. If, you haven't, uh, if you're not an avid follower of the NBA, or maybe you just haven't noticed because they really are integrated pretty well, um, teams have been selling space on their jerseys um, to multiple companies, uh, perhaps the most obvious example being the Houston Rockets, who sold the Jersey Patch, uh, one of the largest Jersey Patch deals, um, to a company called Rocket, that's R-O-K-I-T. Um, so essentially what you're seeing here is uh, large companies are willing to pay NBA teams millions of dollars to put their company's name on the jersey. Um, now, it's not quite what we see in European soccer um, to the point where there are hundreds of millions of dollars of sponsorship deals, and we're seeing... Uh, Really, the jersey of these European soccer teams, um, it does have the club's logo on, on the jersey, but it's dominated by whatever the sponsor is. And most of the jerseys are recognizable because of who the sponsor is. Um, so if I had to guess, that's the direction that the NBA will go long term. But in the NBA, it's more of a secondary 
thing right now. You have the team's logo very large and in the middle of the jersey, and then a small little patch on the side. Um, the model that European soccer follows, obviously, um, puts the sponsor front and center, but it does generate a lot more money. Now, NASCAR, of course, takes this to a whole other extreme, because when you look at NASCAR, you think of uh, all these cars with a million sponsors on them. Sometimes, I wonder how many sponsors they think they can fit on there, um, and may still be able to read them all before the race is over while the cars are going 300 miles an hour. Um, but that's a story for another time. Um, the bottom line is that the NBA is starting to adopt what is really a common practice in many other sports. Um, again, as I said, they generated roughly $150 million in revenue from the patch program. Um, and, and they don't want to commit the league to earning that amount again, uh, cause it is too early to tell because of the pandemic. But on an individual team basis, they do expect significant growth. Um, the, uh, Tony Ponturo, uh, he served as vice president of Anheuser-Busch Global Media, sports and entertainment marketing, said the NBA could see a 20% drop in patch sponsorship business due to COVID-19. Um, calling next year a quote-unquote soft year for sports if coronavirus sticks around. Um, but he did mention that long-term he thinks this is one of the largest potentials for revenue in the NBA. Um, companies who purchase these patches, they covet the brand awareness that you get uh, when teams play national games on ESPN or TNT. Um, which, again, is, is why the ratings decline could affect this uh, this potential revenue stream. I mean, if less eyeballs are on the jerseys, less eyeballs are on the team, then you don't get as much out of your investment in a jersey patch. So there's there's a lot to speak about here. But again, as I said in the first segment, this is an election year. I think that uh, I, I'm fairly positive that ratings will bounce back. And if they do bounce back, then the buyer's market will come flooding back. Um, right now, uh, it's estimated that the Jersey Patch program is a $1 million to $5 million opportunity uh, in the buyer's market. As companies still navigate COVID-19, uh, several NBA teams are shopping patches, uh, including the Houston Rockets and Brooklyn Nets, um, as the Rockets deal with Rocket Phones did expire. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what companies break into this little sponsorship space um, it really depends on the type of brand, the industry, and what their position is. Um, the Nets deal with the software company Infor was valued at roughly $8 million per year. Um, so, obviously, I'm probably speaking to a very small few out there, but if you happen to own a company with that kind of expendable cash, uh, consider the NBA as a place to look for large money sponsorship. You're certainly going to be getting a large amount of eyeballs in return. Um, so a, a unique shift in American sports, if I had to guess, in the long term, we're going to see something a lot more similar to what we see with European soccer, uh, with the massive jersey patches uh, and the sponsors really taking over the jerseys. Um, uh, one last point on the jersey sponsorship. There is one spot where we have sort of seen uh, uh, another shift even closer towards what I've been talking about so much with European soccer. Um, and that is on the Cavaliers' practice jerseys. So the Cleveland Cavaliers actually not only sponsored them 
their game-worn jerseys, but also their practice jerseys. Uh, with their practice jerseys, they allowed the company Goodyear, um, the tire company, to sell, to buy 12 by 5 inch inventory. Uh, it, it was a stroke of genius, really, to make up for some of the lost revenue during the pandemic. Um, they can only wear the practice patch on the jerseys during official workouts and up to 90 minutes before the game. Um, and the teams were not allowed to do brand, do it with brands linked to alcohol, tobacco, or nutritional supplements. Um, I mean, and I know it might be hard to picture when you're just listening to me tell you, but 12 by 5 is actually a very large space on an NBA jersey. I mean, these aren't massive, massive jerseys. Um, so um, the Goodyear logo is actually wider than the Cavaliers' team name on the jerseys. It's not as tall, so it's not quite as big. Um, but it's starting to take up space on the jerseys. And let me tell you, folks, in my opinion, it doesn't look bad. And if I had to guess, that's what most jersey patches are going to start to look at. Um, expanding the size so that they can ask for a little bit more money to make up for this COVID-19 revenue they're losing so that we can start to have uh, more revenue coming in for the league. Because as we've spoken about in the past, no one wants to see the salary cap drop, and the salary cap can only go up if the revenue stays on a consistent incline. Um, and this year we saw a decline. Um, so that's something that's certainly going to need to be fixed, especially when you consider especially when you consider the amount of money that these teams spent uh, and that the league spent organizing what was a very successful NBA bubble, um, but definitely didn't recoup all of the money. Um, that it may have needed to. Um, so that's the, uh, the past sponsorship program in the NFL, or in the NBA, pardon me. Getting ahead of myself a little bit. We're going to the NFL next. Uh, people didn't hear. The NFL just canceled the Pro Bowl. There's obviously been some coronavirus issues. Um, if not the NBA folks, they weren't able to do a bubble. Um, so they have a lot of different challenges, and we're going to, come back and discuss those challenges right after another short break. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, I am Roger B., host of the Locked and Loaded show on America's Web Radio. Be sure to join us live every Tuesday at 1500 hours for the latest in gun news, gun products, gun politics, and other gun-related stuff. That's Tuesday, 1500 hours, America's Web Radio. McAllister's Auto Transport is a privately held company celebrating our 75th anniversary this November, specializing in enclosed-only transportation to the OEM, personal snowbird market, and our favorite market of all is the collector market. Give us a call at 800-748-3160, or you can reach us on the web at McAllister's.com, and that's M C C O L L. I-S-T-E-R-S dot com. Large enough to handle all of your transportation needs, small enough to provide you the old town, old school service that you come to expect when you're moving your baby. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. 
Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio, and welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers for our third segment today, uh, talking about NFL football. Obviously not going as well as some of you may have thought, although I think that I've been, if you've been a listener of the show, I think I've been warning for some time now that this was always going to happen. Um, There was simply a, a very small percentage chance that the NFL was going to be able to make it through this season uh, without some sort of coronavirus intervention. They obviously didn't put as many fans in the stadium. Uh, they tried everything that they could to minimize the risk from mask to social distancing procedures. Um, but if there's one thing that we've learned about this virus, it's that you're going to catch it. I, I mean, it is one of the most contagious sicknesses we have ever seen. And it's almost nearly impossible to avoid it altogether. Um, so with that being the case, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise. Should not be a surprise, pardon me, that so many NFL players recently have been contracting the virus and we've seen crazy schedule shifts. I mean, we've seen games on Tuesdays. We've seen different time Monday games. We've seen games pushed one week back. We've seen games pushed a few days back. Um, we've seen the whole schedule will be completely shifted around, and we're only five weeks in. Um, so we can expect more of this, and the NFL is pumping out measures in ways that they're attempting to cope with all of this. Uh, they announced Wednesday that the 2021 Pro Bowl game will be canceled this year due to the pandemic. Uh, the Pro Bowl was originally slated to be played in Las Vegas at the Allegiant Stadium on January 31st. Uh, According to the league, the 2022 Pro Bowl will be awarded to Vegas um, in response to this year's being canceled. Now, the league also announced uh, that it's working with the NFL Players Association and other partners to create other virtual activities to replace the game. Uh, Fans will still be able to vote for players to the roster starting November 17th. And the full rosters will be revealed in December. Now, The Pro Bowl is the latest event on the NFL calendar to be affected by COVID-19. The 2020 NFL Draft, uh, which was also scheduled to be in Las Vegas, was held virtually this spring, as we know. Um, It did go off without a hitch. And and then the preseason. Uh, There were no preseason games this year, as teams solely conducted training camps to prepare for the next season. Um, Obviously, as I mentioned, with so many schedule changes, uh, the cancel of the NFL's Pro Bowl, it is a way for the league as a whole um, to have that Week 18 scenario remain in play if necessary. Um, so we've mentioned it previously on the show, but if, if you're a little confused, uh, the NFL has been for a while now discussing a scenario where they just extend the season a week, and it's, it's in my opinion, something that is definitely going to happen. Now, I would be shocked if they don't extend it a little bit more than one week. Uh, with so many outbreaks in so many teams, uh, there's only so much you can push games back without it affecting the schedule's length as a whole. Um, so that original Super Bowl date may not happen. Be prepared for that. Um, and the original end date of the regular season may not happen either. 
I mean, there's a lot changing. And even NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, uh, he stressed Tuesday the need for, quote, flexibility and adapting as the season continues. Um, so the league can't sleep on this. I mean, this is just because it's been happening and it seemingly has happened to a lot of the teams so far. Um, and just because you have a Week 18 plan, I don't think that canceling the Pro Bowl is a, is a fix-all type of scenario. I mean, there there's a lot going on here. There are a lot of issues that are still possible. Um, I don't think we're going to need to pause this season. I've never really thought that. But it's going to cause issues going forward. And you might even see, I'm going to throw this out there, I'm, we'll see, scenarios where just a, a couple players in this game, I mean, it's something you saw with the Patriots, you saw Cam Newton there, uh, who unfortunately he contracted coronavirus, and, and he missed the game. And, um, I mean, we can never know for certain, but I think the Patriots lost that game because they did not have Cam Newton. It, it looks like if they had any competent quarterback back there, they may have been able to win. Um, so that's something that you're going to have to pay attention to. I mean, this could affect the teams that make the playoffs. Uh, it could affect wins uh, week in and week out. Um Coronavirus is no joke when it comes to NFL football. Um, now, there are there are options uh, for the remainder of the regular season. Um, in my mind, I'm thinking of it like a massive Jenga game. Um, 179 games to still be played over the next 12 weeks, and. And just like a Jenga game, if one gets delayed, you're going to pull that block out and set it on top, move it to the end. Um, you pull too many out, though, um, and what you see is the collapse of the NFL season. You see TV deals starting to fall through. Uh, there are guidelines on those. You do have to get them in in a certain amount of time. Um, I think that there will be some leniency on the part of the networks. I mean, we're in unprecedented times. Um, but we have a lot of change happening. Um, it's starting to get a little bit dicey. Uh, if this thing gets pushed back too far, think about the outdoor stadiums that are, are in northern parts of the United States. I mean, we're talking about, you think you've seen snow games. We're talking about uh, feet of snow that players might be playing on if we push this thing into January, um, late December. Um, if it gets too far in the winter, you start to have a problem with the elements, and then you have to start to consider um, potentially changing so teams can't play in their home stadiums. Um, going into dome environments, the teams that play in the domes, uh, it's been floated that the NFL do a bubble for the playoffs. Uh, I've said repeatedly that a bubble does not work um, for the NFL. There's simply too many teams and too many moving parts. Uh, it is not the NBA where rosters are 15 players large. It's actually 52 players large. So it's huge, huge numbers of people here. I don't know if a bubble is feasible, but it's something that's been talked about. Uh, something that's been talked about by medical experts and people involved with the league alike. Um, moving on, one other aspect of these delayed games is uh, and the costs of these delayed games that many people may not be thinking about is airfare. Um, all these teams don't have a team plane. Uh, unlike the Patriots with their two aircrafts, most teams actually don't have their own plane. Instead, they rely on charters, uh, which are normal planes an airline is pulled out of its rotation for a day or two. 
uh, if those dates change, you need to contact the airline because the airline has to pull that plane out of its rotation. Um, something extremely interesting that I'm, I'm sure not many people have thought about. Um, it's a huge cost. Um, so even though it might seem like they can just switch a game, move it back a week, uh, it's not exactly the case. There is a large cost to doing something like that. Um, and the NFL is continuing to bleed with it already expected that the salary cap will be going down next year. Um, one quick note, I guess, and I guess I'll close with this. Um, the NFL did announce that they're going to have more NFL games on Tuesdays as a response to everything I've been talking about in this segment. Um, so there, there's been chaos in sports anyway, chaos in the NFL anyway. Um, so this midweek experiment might as well continue even if coaches in the league are not big fans. Um, personally, I think it's an amazing idea. It allows for a little more flexibility in the schedule, um, and it brings me more football on a different day. I mean, who doesn't love the fact that we now already have Sunday, Monday, and Thursday football? I mean, hell, I would take football all seven days of the week if you would give it to me. Now, I understand um, that that would hurt the whole Sunday football phenomenon, um, so maybe not every day. But why can't we spare an NFL game for a Tuesday? I mean, would it really upset you that much to only have three games going on at once instead of four in the early Sunday window? Personally, I think Tuesday night football is a great concept. Um, It's been 70 years, and there have only been two NFL games played on Tuesdays. Um, That is, of course, October 13th. Three days ago, uh, when the Titans emerged from their quarantine without much practice and hammered the Buffalo Bills. Um, and then if you knew this other one, that's a great little piece of trivia. On December 28, 2010, the Vikings beat Philadelphia uh, after sitting around in a snowstorm-filled Philadelphia street uh, in their hotel for three days before they were able to play on Tuesday. Um so as the Viking and Vikings and Falcons prepare to play on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, despite a Falcon player and staffer testing positive for coronavirus this week, um, no one should fret if the game does wind up being postponed um, and being played on Tuesday or even a Wednesday night. Um, I think that that is preferable to players sitting out because, as I said, once you start dealing with players sitting out of matchups, um, due to COVID, you're, you're letting coronavirus impact the integrity of the game and the outcome of the game. And I don't think anybody wants to see different teams in the playoffs um, or even different teams win week to week. I mean, for those gamblers out there, this is really causing a nightmare. Fantasy sports has been thrown into flux. I never know who's playing on my team week in and week out. Uh, or for whatever reason, sometimes if my guys are delayed because of COVID, they to a Tuesday or a Monday, they're not letting me play them in my fantasy lineup. Um, it's affecting, of course, if, you, if you've if you gambled on a game and a player has to sit out, uh, the line automatically switches, and next thing you know, you bet on a bad line. I mean, there's so many little aspects here that people may not be considering, so many little changes uh, that the coronavirus has brought about in the NFL season. Um, and it's definitely something that's been interesting to watch as things are changing. 
time. So that'll conclude our NFL coverage for the day. Crazy times. A lot is happening. But trust me, if you think that the NFL is crazy because of coronavirus, wait until we talk about the NCAA. We're talking complete chaos across the NCAA with the SEC being hit most recently with coronavirus. Uh, but if you think we're just talking football, no, no, no. We're talking much more than football. Uh, this is, it does not seem like the coronavirus is just going to up and magically disappear as we may have thought. Um, this is something that may be a problem for months or even potentially into the 2021 season uh, for NCAA sports. So that's something that we're going to talk about in our next segment as we close out Billion Dollar Ballers. But before we do, one last short break. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, I am Roger B., host of the Locked and Loaded Show on America's Web Radio. Be sure to join us live every Tuesday at 1500 hours for the latest in gun news, gun products, gun politics, and other gun-related stuff. That's Tuesday, 1500 hours, America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio, and welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers for our last segment, our largest segment of the day. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to college athletics. Um, Now, if you've been a long-time listener of the show, college athletics was really one of the first things I talked about when coronavirus started, Um, college football specifically. Now, back then, what we were talking about is how if college football got canceled, we'd see massive fallout. Um, well, initially, college football was canceled, and even though it came back, we still saw massive fallout. We saw college athletic programs uh, get rid of sports altogether, um, shut down certain programs for good, uh, a lot of players transferring, players sitting out of games, uh, lack of funding, millions of dollars lost, I mean, college football was an institution seemingly least prepared 
for a pandemic such as coronavirus. Um, needless to say, it has not been good news for college athletics. Um, but focusing in on football for a minute, when, uh, when all this news was coming out and certain leagues were canceling, remember the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, uh, they both initially canceled. Now they both did return due to mounting pressures. Um, but the reasons that they canceled was that they were worried, um, most notably, about their coaches and their players contracting coronavirus. Uh, well, to nobody's surprise, when they did decide to bring back college football, um, they reopened the possibility of that happening, and that is exactly what's been happening. Um, college football has been plagued with cancellations, delays, uh, because of coronavirus, and it is ravaging the sport of college football right now. Um, the most high-profile case to recently hit the news is Alabama football coach Nick Saban and Alabama athletic director Greg Byrne testing positive for COVID-19. Um, coach Saban is at home. He's self-isolating while continuing to oversee team practices via Zoom. Um, thankfully, they both say that they're in great health. They both think that they'll be totally fine. But it, it's not really about uh, their health concerns at this point. Obviously, we both hope that they're going to be okay, and we both uh, have them in our and we all have them in our prayers. Um, but as we've seen from coronavirus, it's not nearly as deadly as we initially thought. I mean, people are people are recovering from this thing um, at tremendous rates. The death rate is extremely low. Um, so at least for me, when I look at coronavirus, I don't look at it as much as a life or death situation. Um, pre-existing conditions, obviously, age can be a factor. Um, but the average person is going to be totally fine. The average person is going to be okay through this thing. Um, and uh, so I think that Saban should be fine. I think all the players should be fine that are contracting it. The bigger problem for college football is um, they need everyone to be at the same stage. When you're dealing with something like a college football playoff selection, um, that's how you determine the champion of that league. Now, with the NFL and the NBA and the MLB, it becomes obvious every team plays the same amount of games. Um, you're all in one league, um, and it, it's simple, uh, and, and you have a, a larger playoff field. Well, with the way the college football has been trending, it's very interesting. Not all the teams are going to have the same amount of games played. The Big Ten, which is only coming back this weekend, will have teams that play far fewer games um, than some other conferences. There are also teams that have had so many games canceled, and there's such little time. Who knows if they're going to be able to get as many games in. So what you may be having happen here is a situation where a college football playoff committee has to make a very difficult decision as to who makes it in when all the teams have played different amounts of games. Um, I guess when you consider what larger problems they've been having, namely monetarily, uh, it might not seem like that big of an issue. But to me as a fan, that's a big issue. Uh, it points to a flaw in the college football system um, and a lot of issues that coronavirus can cause for the NCAA. <laughs> Um, Saban, again, will not be allowed to coach his team as they take on third-ranked Georgia 
uh, this weekend uh, on Saturday. Um, one, many people are questioning if this game is supposed to or should even happen. I won't weigh in with my opinion on that. I certainly would love to see Alabama-Georgia this weekend. Um, but if Saban can't coach on the sideline, here you have another situation um, similar to how we just spoke about the NFL. We're allowing coronavirus to impact the integrity and the outcome of your game. I don't think that that's okay. Um, they won't allow Saban to coach on the sideline, nor will they allow him to coach via Zoom. Um, so uh, one clearly is one of the best coaches ever. Clearly he has a large impact on this team. And clearly this is a big game um, between the second-ranked Alabama and third-ranked Georgia. I mean, wow. We're, we're in for some crazy, crazy fallout if, if this plays a huge role in the outcome of the game. I'm praying that it won't. Uh, we have two great football teams. We'll see what happens. happens. Um, not a good situation for Alabama, though. Um, with that being said, though, let's talk about college football's next steps. They made it through three relatively smooth weeks of SEC competition, um, and then coronavirus caught up. The first postponement was Monday uh, with Vanderbilt, um, and then we quickly saw Missouri uh, and Florida and Florida State and LSU um, and Old Miss and now Alabama and Tennessee uh, it's just ripping through all of these teams. Um, although athletic administrators across the country have been speaking to ESPN, um, and, and apparently they aren't panicking. Um, while not dismissing the SEC's problems, uh, they've been saying they expect they expected games postponements and positive tests, um, and, and pointed to an entire offseason spent planning and revamping schedules to add flexibility for when these disruptions do occur. Uh, they continue to monitor virus data and trends, um, and they've had no conversations about stopping the season. Um, they've all invested a great deal of time and energy, including the student-athletes, um, to ensure that they were prepared for these scenarios. Again, I've been saying since the beginning we were going to get delays, we were going to get postponement. Um, and we, I think we all expected another spike, uh, in mid to late October, I mean, if you didn't think coronavirus might spike again at some point, uh, it's just like any other sickness, folks. I mean, what we're dealing with here is the flu. It's really what we're dealing with is the flu. And when it gets cold, there's a reason there's a flu season. You're more likely to get sick when it's cold. So I think that we all knew that this was something that could potentially happen. Um, please, I urge college football, continue to stay calm. Please do not panic. Um, we definitely need to finish this season. We can definitely finish this season. Players and coaches are not dying. They will be okay. We just might have to delay the college football playoff a little bit. Um, so I think that's where we stand um, as far as COVID-19 at the moment. Now looking ahead to the future, what can we expect for 2021? Um, in my opinion, college football should not expect full stadiums anytime Soon, as COVID-19 is likely to impact the 2021 season. Um, I mean, again, we've seen so many breakouts now. Um, and while I think that our public perception of the virus is certain to change uh, in the 10 and a half months before the next college football season, 
government restrictions may not be so quick to ease up. Um, social distancing concepts may still uh, exist. And when you're talking about college football stadiums, you're talking about thousands, tens of thousands of people packed in shoulder to shoulder. Um, it might seem like a large space, but it is a tight environment when you're at these college football games. Um, and I think that many medical experts have been saying, including Dr. Michael Sab, who's the UAB professor of medicine and infectious diseases, he said, quote, I think we should assume that we're going to be exactly where we are today 11 months from now until proven otherwise, end quote. I don't necessarily think that. I don't think in the general sense we'll be exactly where we are with the virus. But in the more broad sense of how we're going to be treating, how we're going to be managing the virus, I think it's safe to assume that we may not want to have large crowds and may not be allowed to depending on your local government. Um, so that could have continued fallout for college football. Um, obviously, these programs are going to be pushing as hard as they can to allow large amounts of fans in the stadiums. I mean, they want to recoup that ticket revenue. Um, they don't want to take any more losses, and they really can't, as we've already seen. Uh, it's been bad with teams canceling and things like that and getting rid of certain athletic athletic programs, certain sports. Um, but we just don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, so best-case scenario, teams are at capacity next fall. A vaccine is ready, um, which I believe the president. I think we have a vaccine right around the corner. So I think that we have that. Um, but there's no telling for sure what will happen. Um, we may have to identify who's been vaccinated before admitting them. There's just a lot of things. I wanted to touch on it. I don't want to go into it in too much detail. It's a long ways away. I just want to let people know that don't assume our next sports seasons are just instantly going to go back to normal because um, it's a fluid situation. Um, now, quickly, the last thing that I'm going to talk about today um, is NCAA Division One basketball. What is the plan for basketball? Um much sooner than next football season comes college basketball. It's supposed to be starting up in the next couple months here. Um, and there are a lot of issues posed because of coronavirus. Um, for one, college basketball takes place in a dome environment as opposed to the college football environment of outdoor football stadium. Um, as we know, this virus is something that is transmitted much easier when you are inside. It's transmitted through the air. Um, it's something that can easily spread uh, when you have tight quarters. I think we can expect no fans for sure at most basket college basketball games. Um, and I think, again, we can expect outbreaks amongst college basketball players uh, and coaches, as we've seen in the NFL. And I think that NCAA is ready for that. Um, I think they're going to handle it in the basketball sense exactly how they did in the football sense. Um, and that'll all be fine. However, there is one strange wrinkle when it comes to college basketball. Um, and that comes when you're talking about COVID-19 transfers. Um, so the NCAA Division I Basketball Council has moved on another proposal long in the making, introducing what it called a uniform blanket transfer exception um, that allows transfers to not sit out a year um, for one time only. There's a vote in January on the rule. Um, and in my mind, it makes a ton of sense. Um, 
if you if you want to transfer because of coronavirus, you should not have to sit out. Um, and I'm very excited to see this. And it may not seem like such a big deal, but I think it's really going to affect how college basketball operates as a whole. Um, it's a change brought about because of COVID that is a positive change, in my opinion, that I think every school should look at. And, and I really think should I think college athletes, as I've said many times before, should be treated more like professionals. I think if you want to transfer to another team, you can treat it like free agency. No free agent in the NBA would be forced to sit out a year after switching teams. So no college basketball player should be forced to sit out a year after switching teams. We've talked about positive things brought about because of coronavirus in the past on this show. And I think this is another one of those positive things. I love the change. Um, so happy to close out the show on a positive note, something good that came about because of coronavirus. With that being said, it's been a packed show today. We've talked sponsorship, schedules, viewership, NBA, NFL, college football, college basketball, and there is much more to come. If you enjoy Billion Dollar Ballers, uh, be sure to continue listening every Friday at 9 a.m., And also, be sure to listen to America's Web Radio on Spotify as well. Um, It worked out well that we talked about Spotify so much today. If you can't listen live, we have a lot of wonderful programs you can listen to later online as well. Um, With that being said, I'm Jack Christides. This has been Billion Dollar Ballers, and I'll be back with you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.